All right, a little rusty. Back in the saddle. But uh, we'll do it. Do it. Um, all right, hi. This is Mark D, IT Guy, Dad, and Generally Bad Movie Nerd. And today we're going to be talking about the 1992 um, thriller, Sneakers, directed by Phil Alden Robinson, starring Robert Redford, Dan Aykroyd, uh, River Phoenix, Sydney Poitier, Mary McDowell, is, is that her name, Mary McDowell? Mary McDonald, starring Robert Redford, Sidney Poitier, David Strathairn, Dan Aykroyd, River Phoenix, and Mary McDonald, starring Robert Redford, Sidney Poitier, Dan Aykroyd, River Phoenix, uh, David Strathairn, and last but not least, Mary McDonald. And uh, yeah, let's 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 roll the thing. Katie, Katie, roll the thing. Is there a Katie? There is. Is there really a Katie? Is Katie actually doing? Does Katie actually roll the thing when he says roll the thing? Uh, when they say Lauren start the show, does Lauren actually do anything, or do they just say that? And is that a joke on Katie roll the thing? So many questions. Uh, Mark, Mark, roll the thing. Most people recognize me by my voice. Okay, so I rolled the thing. I also forgot Ben Kingsley. Like, whoops. Sir Ben Kingsley. I believe it is a sir. But, uh, yeah, Sneakers. Sneakers is a, a cool movie. It's been a movie that I've liked for a, a bit, for a while. And... How shall I put this? How shall I? I like it a lot, but it's not my favorite movie. It's not a, a crazy, like, desert island movie or anything like that. It's a really fun movie. It's a fun movie, I think is the best way to put it. It's a fun movie, and maybe you think a little bit. Maybe you think a tiny bit. All right, so by the numbers, Sneakers did fucking all right and that's a short amount of time between the first f-bomb on this podcast if you're actually keeping track i'm not so i depend on you uh constant listener if i were to rip off a very famous author so budget was 35 mil not huge for 92 but not small but opening weekend was 10 mil and gross was 51 worldwide 105 definitely made its money back did Decently well, performed well. This is 1992. It's a different time. It's a different era. 92 was a whole different era. No one had any clue what the hell was going on in 1992. Hey, where were you in 92? That's a callback. But yeah, this has a massive cast. How they did this uh, so affordably with Robert Redford, uh, Sidney Poitier, David Strathairn, Dan Aykroyd, River Phoenix. Mary McDonald and Sir Ben Kingsley, among others. I don't know. I don't know how they did it. How did they afford Stephen Tobolowski? I don't know. Tobolowski. Tobolowski? Tobolowski. How did they afford Stephen Tobolowski? I don't know. 
but they did. They managed it. And I, well, actually, I say I don't know. I have ideas. I have ideas on how they could afford such a cast. And this is kind of going into the the making license plates of movies. I don't know if I've talked about making license plates, but that comes from a book called Cryptonomicon that everyone should read or listen to, even though it came out uh, 98, 99. It's still in wildly kind of uh, applicable today and prophetic in its, its foresight. This is kind of getting into the making license plates thing where I think that they saved a near infinite amount of money on, on locations and sets. A ton of the movie takes place in a loft in San Francisco, ostensibly a loft in ostensibly San Francisco. And it's really cool, right? It's kind of like a boys club, kind of like, oh, we're, we're getting down to naughty things or not naughty, but, you know, medium illegal, like kind of borderline, whatever. It's where the, the shit goes down. And it's really cool. It's got the brick and the, the window and the view, and it's huge. And it has like a, just like a glass kind of conference room in the middle, like a fishbowl with the, the wainscoting, like the, the kind of half glass, you know, wood on the bottom, not a full glass modern thing, but more like a, something out of a Humphrey Bogart movie, maybe. And I really dig it. I super dig it. A lot of film noir, especially notably Maltese Falcon and, uh, God, what's the one where it's first person? Shit, I am totally blanking on it. But the first person one where it turns out that he's Humphrey Bogart, you're Humphrey Bogart, you the first person, uh, person. they take place in San Francisco. That's a very trope kind of location. That's kind of like the gag, the genre is San Francisco because of, I don't know, cool shit. But San Francisco is awesome. And there's like four kind of exterior shots and one of them, you you're on a big hill and you kind of see Coit Tower in the distance lit up at night, and it's just, it's really, really beautiful. And San Francisco is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful city. And it is unfortunate that it costs two kidneys to live there, kind of thing. But I, I, I'm full digress at this point. I am 110% digression. So let me get back on task. So it's a loft in San Francisco, and then it's a, a evil office building that's extremely generic and could actually be any fucking office building ever on the planet. Those are like the big kind of locations. Then there's the interior of a van, and then there's like one or two exteriors that could be goddamn anywhere in San Francisco. So they saved a lot of money there. Visual effects, there aren't really many. Stunts, few. You know, like it's not a flashy movie. It's a it's a fun movie. It's a like kind of like a paranoia thriller, like Robert Redford movie, like every other fucking Robert Redford movie, like The Conversation, Three Days of the Condor, or you know whatever. Kind of like it. It has some some DNA there with Three Days of the Condor. Um, it's a fun movie. It was cheap to make. It did decently well. Okay, I think let's go into the premise where the premise is they are a group, of, the movie is called Sneakers because they are a group of sneakers. And I use that with quotes because that's not a fucking word that we use in our modern day vernacular. But apparently that was a thing in the early 90s, or geez, early 90s, like early to mid 80s, because the writers of this particular film, whose names are Phil Alden Robinson, the director, 
Lawrence Lasker and Walter F. Parks, uh, I think two of three of them, if not all three of them, writing as a group, were the writers for War Games. So in doing research for War Games, they mistakenly kind of came across the profession of the sneaker, the idea of the sneaker, which is interesting. And to put it in, you know, 2020, kind of not the show with Barbara Walters, but the year, uh, vernacular, they would be red team. So it'd be a red team or a tiger team is a military terminology as well. Tiger team where they're kind of, um, white hats that are hired to enact kind of like black hat stuff in controlled scenarios. Right. So that's the thought. So that is a really cool, um, that is a very, very cool profession and i follow a lot of infosec people a lot of pen testers uh and pen testers or, or red teamers or sneakers or, or or tiger teamers um they there's a lot of wiggle room in how you do that and one of the things is physical testing and there's a, a twitter account by the name of tinker uh at t-i-n-k-e-r that i think has the the icon of uh you know the a uh, uh, or whatever from the good, the bad, the ugly, the, the ugly one, the crazy dude. I think anyway, if not, I mean, I'm just, you know, fabricating that memory, but he has some, or like he or she has some fucking wild, wild. They, I guess has some fucking wild stories about just like literally running into an office building and grabbing anything they can and running out with it. They're just like, fuck it. You can't catch me, you know, because there's kind of rules for engagement. You're not supposed to, physically engage with these people and, and things like that so i don't know it, it's complicated but it's really cool because we're actually breaking into places in a real sense uh just you know with permission but the 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 thrill the the danger it's all kind of the same real so you know having that idea of, of these people which they do that in the opening scene they kind of you know they break into a bank they steal like eighty thousand dollars or whatever it's really cool. It's really cool. And Robert Redford is one of the coolest motherfuckers on the planet. So he really sells this, you know? So he's like the, the lead. He's the, you know, the, I love it when a plan comes together kind of fucking guy. And, uh, Sidney Poitier is this, uh, ex CIA kind of guy. And he's like, really like about like, this is the operating procedure and this is how you get into these areas and stuff like that. Dan Aykroyd, uh, I mentioned him, I believe. Dan Aykroyd essentially plays himself in this movie. He plays um, a conspiracy nut, which is actually him. He's actually that person. But he's not selling uh, Crystal Skull vodka or whatever the fuck. He, uh, he's a kind of like engineer, kind of thief dude, and he can tap into communication lines and, and, and fabricate kind of fucking gadgets and gizmos and devices. Um, River Phoenix just plays like a young computer hacker, right? You know, who got, who they caught in auditing a school district because he was changing his own grades. They hired him, which is dope. Mary McDonald, who comes in later, she kind of plays the face. She's like the face where she's like the people person, right? And David Strathairn is this, he plays the blind guy and he does a really interesting uh, job of doing that where he can just kind of hear things and he has, 
he's really good about data and, and engineering as well. Everybody's good about engineering, basically. And Robert Redford, uh, his character's kind of like a ghost. But the whole thing was that he was a hacker, kind of in the late 60s, and he almost got arrested. His boy got arrested and goes to jail. And he does not. So I guess, you know, deep plot spoilers, his boy that goes to jail, dies in jail or whatever. Turns out he's not dead. He's bad. He's Ben Kingsley, the only one I haven't mentioned. And he's set up to be a bit of a fucking asshole in scene one. So I guess you can see it all kind of line up if you you know really want to put your mind to it. But I mean, they're, they're kind of like hackers. It's like complicated. Um, it's complicated. I think there is, there's a lot to hacking hackers that they didn't start out as computer hackers. Hackers predate computers as, as a whole, basically. And they were people who would uh, play pranks or, or re-engineer or optimize systems and, and things like that. It's pretty interesting, I think, that the word hacker became attached to these, uh, I guess, computer felons at some point in the 80s. Hacker, in the good, not- the good connotation now in modern times, is a, a programmer who uh, kind of hacks away at the program until it works, that kind of thing. And this was defined in uh, RFC 1392, which in RFC is a request for comments, and I think that's at uh, ietf.org, Internet Engineering Task Force, ietf.org. Not it's in uh, rfc.org, maybe is is maybe a website. I don't know. I just look up RFC 1392. You'll find it. Um, IANA, Internet Agency for Numbers and whatever the fuck. Internet Address and Number Agency, maybe. Uh, that one's really funny because it's almost like the Reddit kind of or internet parlance of I am not a lawyer, which is uh, I anal. And that one makes me laugh. Often I am secretly 12 years old. But uh, yeah, uh, RFC 1392 defines a hacker as a person who delights in having an intimate understanding of the internal workings of a system, computers, and computer networks in specific. So I think the, the, the root, the base motivation for the hacker or, you know, the, the, the freaker or the pen tester is really like this, this need to just know more. Like the people who do this professionally, they don't ever say, I don't care. They don't ever say that's not important to me. Like they always go that level, like deeper to get that further information to be so, so in depth that they just have a full and complete understanding and can manipulate these systems in ways that were they were not even designed for primarily right so i think that's kind of the difference i've met people who have that drive i maybe had it at one point but you know lately i find myself saying more and more it's not fucking important and i don't care right now but you know it's uh for that that for them that never comes up so this kind of desire is, is usually tempered with uh, a sense of humor, maybe a little bit of mischief, but usually not destruction or, or criminality. It's just like a good-natured kind of obsession with things, I would say, maybe, you know. And there are a lot about jokes. Like, they're not all criminals, even if they were, all, were arrested per se, which, you know, the, the, the whole squad, right? of the sneakers crew crew uh actually don't remember the name of their company uh 
if they ever tell you, but the, the whole squad has a record, essentially, and it kind of plays into the little bit of like extortion or whatever the case is. But, um, you know, not everybody's like that, even if you went to jail and, and, you know, we can talk about law versus, you know, law creating criminals essentially and things like that. But that's a more of a sociology discussion for another podcast, I, I would, I would say. But so they're basically like, a a heist movie, like arrangement of, of hackers. There's physical hackers, social engineers and all this stuff. And, and the social engineer, uh, which social engineering is probably the most exploited kind of mode of, of a system getting hacked, you know, kind of, uh, this is the, 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 the squad. These are our heroes and our, our villain is kind of like, you know, the other side of the same coin where instead of being like, Oh, well, I penetrated the system here. This is what's wrong here. Where's my paycheck? He's just, he's like, well, I'll take all your money. I'll take all your shit. I don't give a fuck. I'll make that phone call for free. I don't care. I'm not paying for it. Kind of like in the middle of this, uh, you know, really cool, like, oh, they're cool as shit. And they're Stevie Rayvon meets, you know, L.A. Noir meets Home Alone fucking soundtrack, which it, the score is insane in this movie. It's, it's like, you know, 80s, 90s blues, and then fucking saxophone and detectives, and then Home Alone music, which drives me insane. You know, because I mean, John Williams, you know, obviously scored Home Alone. I think he did a great job, but it's it's a Christmas movie, and there's Christmas-like music sprinkled kind of liberally throughout the the um, the back nine, if you will, the the back nine of this movie. So, in the midst of all that and being cool, these dudes show up, and they're kind of like, "We're from the government, Bishop," and they're like, "You all have records, and we'll all fuck you up." But then they kind of flip on him and they're like, yeah, we know who you are. You're, you're not Martin Bishop. You're, you know, Martin, whatever the fuck. And you're wanted Martin Bryce and you're wanted for, uh, hacking the democratic national convention or some shit, some dumb shit, you know? Uh, and I guess let me, you know, rewind that a little bit and, and say that there is an idealized version of the criminal hacker in this movie. And that is what Martin Bryce was where he's like idealistic and he's like, I'm going to donate, you know, all this money from these fat cats to charity or whatever. And that's like, that's still theft. It is Robin hooding, but it is, it is definitely theft. Right. So ethically you have crossed the line. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, you know, I guess these guys are kind of edgy. They're on the edge. They are Lords of the edge, if you will. And that kind of brings in the, the heist, right? Which the heist is trying to get this uh, MacGuffin black box from a mathematician played by Donald Logue, who is about, you know, 19 years old, you know, approximately. He looks like he's 12, but it's just super funny because he has a cool long hair and he's like a crazy mathematician and uh, stuff like that. And that's cool. But this MacGuffin, this MacGuffin and he kind of talks in front of a, you know, a fucking projector with a transparency with a bunch of magic marker uh, kind of equations on it. And this MacGuffin is said to be able to just erase security, to decrypt anything. And I'd like to delve into that a little bit. And this might get a little in the weeds, but this is, I promise, a very surface level kind of explanation. I'm sure that 
if you really looked really hard, you'd see me talking for, you know, 65 minutes on fucking malware as a service. So this is definitely not going to be that. But in talking about security, I, th I think they're, they're primarily focusing on what we think of as encryption and even more specifically because of the technical consultants on the movie, uh, the A and RSA. His name fucking escapes me now and I'm, I'm not going to stop. I'm on a roll. I'm rolling. We're going to talk about public key encryption, which depends heavily, RSA especially, on integer, the, the hardness, right? And the hardness of a math problem is the complexity in trying to solve it, uh, usually the amount of time or, or resources that are required to solve this problem, right? So integer factorization. Integer factorization is a hard problem as we know it right now. It is difficult for, or not difficult, it is, it takes a long time and a lot of resources to determine what two numbers might have created uh, a product or what two numbers multiplied might have created the other number. And then this is especially true if they are both primes, and that's a type of number called a subprime, which is a product of two primes, which is very specific to how we use uh, public key cryptography now. And this MacGuffin, and there's, there's, there's more to it than that. There's, there's only some kinds of, of encryption that you use this. Uh, there's things like the discrete uh, logarithm problem. There's, you know, on, on a separate note, kind of in authentication, there's cryptographic hash functions, which now we know that GPUs are insanely fast at hashing and, and we're actually brute forcing hashes. It's not that we, we've broken their, we don't have a secret, right? There's no MacGuffin for breaking hashes now, except for paying for a bunch of GPU time. Uh, you know, which cloud providers are, are happy to bill you for, uh, essentially, because they really can't tell what you're doing. But this MacGuffin seems to be a device that would be able to factor numbers and, and prime numbers, probably specifically, extremely fast. And this was proposed, you know, it's been proposed for a long time. In 1994, there was an algorithm that was invented or discovered. I, I don't know if you invent or discover an algorithm. I think you invent because algorithms are ideas. They don't just exist in the natural world unless they're things you're already doing. But then you already invented the algorithm if you've already done it. I feel like this is a chicken and egg thing. The egg came first because a chicken has to be hatched from an egg. So the egg was a mutation that created the chicken. Anyway, oh, the first chicken was in an egg, right? Is the the thing there going back to the chicken and the egg, which is super important. Like I said, it's been a while since I've podcasted. How are you? Um, this MacGuffin is probably a quantum computer in, you know, the, the, the most movie sense it's tiny. It's, you know, the size of a cell phone, roughly, you know, maybe a fat cell phone, That's the size of a portable USB hard drive. That's kind of how big this MacGuffin is. But the indications of how it works, the idea there seems to be, right, and, and the thought process uh, that these writers kind of had is how do we movie this up because it's actually boring as shit. I'm sure everyone has stopped listening at this point, even though I took two fucking seconds to talk about encryption and I did a very, a very surface level job on it, I promise. Uh, it's a lot more complicated. It's, it's interesting if you're into that. If, if you're not, it's, it's a lot more of that and just more complicated. So don't. But, uh, 
quantum computers um, with, especially with Shor's algorithm. Uh, there's a mathematician named Shor who invented kind of like a factorization algorithm for a quantum computer. They kind of remove the hardness of that uh, that problem because they are able to factor numbers so 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 incredibly quick compared to um, the computers that we have now based on the von Neumann architecture, blah, 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 so on and so forth. And Peter Schor kind of like discovered this, uh, this algorithm. <clears throat> and this would kind of be a device that would erase security. Now quantum computers are not that small and they're not also that powerful yet uh, to factor the, the numbers of the size that we use in cryptography now. They're, they're very big. They're very big numbers. So it's not trivial, and we've yet to even build a quantum computer approaching the capacity to be able to do that. So while there are plenty of clickbait articles like, oh, the fucking security's gone, um, that's not exactly true. But probably in the next 20 years, we might, you know, reconsider. And, and part of security is, is kind of keeping uh, information confidential. Security is like availability, confidentiality, and integrity. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, there's, there's a bit to it. So, <sighs> yeah. It's fun. It's fun if you, uh, if you dig that. It's pretty fun. So, where was I going with this? Uh, so, yeah, so that's the MacGuffin. And that's a, that's a good MacGuffin, I think. I think that's a good MacGuffin. I think that... In 1992, no one really thought of any fucking thing like that. Like, Wargame was like, oh, no, what if it launches a thermonuclear bomb? But this MacGuffin is so much more pedestrian. It's so much more akin to the problems of today, even. Even though we, we have some fucking boosted-ass fucking president that literally is trying to aggro war with everyone. You know, uh these problems it's like well what is my password oh fuck my bank account are, are very much the problems of our everyday lives we're not in the, in the cold war that we're we're doing you know drills in, in school or anything so it was interesting how how prophetic you know kind of this movie was or not prophetic but forward thinking i i guess would be the better term for it neil stevenson is prophetic this is forward thinking and uh, there's even a part when Robert Redford is, uh, when he's getting paid or stealing money from the bank, uh, you know, the, you know, assistant or I guess money person, she's all like, uh, so you get paid to, you know, break into places and steal stuff. And he's like, meh, it's a living. You know, he does a whole, meh. He's, he actually says it's a living, but I don't, I don't have a good voice for that. Meh, it's a living, you know, more or less. And not in that voice. That's that's the voice for like uh, you know where it came from. Looney Tunes, I think. Uh, fucking Bugs Bunny, Mel Blanc, whatever. Blanc, Mel Blanc, the fantastic voice talent, whatever. And then she's like, "Ugh, it's not much of a living." Ugh, like she gives him like this like really disgusted thing. And I'm like, no, you know, lady, you are so short sighted. You are so bottled up in your perspective the jobs like this are actually crucial uh and wildly important 
because these are, are ethical people who do not steal the stuff. They uh, demonstrate how the stuff may be stolen. And then, you know, the institution is now free to resolve those issues. So this is a supremely important job. And these are, are ethical people doing it, and they are professionals. And why would you treat somebody like that for just doing their fucking job? So nerds were not cool. Facebook wasn't a thing. No one was trying to download music and needed a nerd to tell them how to use Napster, which, by the way, uh, I strongly think that um, Facebook and, and MySpace were the downfall of music piracy, even though music piracy is still theft. I think that would have gone on a lot longer if the normies, quote-unquote, would not have found out because no one really understood it uh, prior to that. But when you say free music or free movies, people are all up in that. So the concerns of you know the average person were approximately that. That was basically a proxy for the average person. Like, oh, a hacker. Ah, you know, and... You know, in, in, in the end, and then the end conflict with uh, Mr. Bad Guy, um, Cosmo, you know, he's kind of like, you know, there's no, no need for nuclear bombs or no, no one needs the next weapon, you know? The, the, the world is ruled by ones and zeros. And I was like, fuck, this dude, this dude gets it. He's just a bad guy, right? So they're kind of like, it's like a, a dark mirror. It's like, because um, Cosmo, uh, spoiler, he, uh, he doesn't die in prison, but the mafia kind of takes him over and makes him do stuff. But then he goes, like, medium off the reservation. So, yeah, and I mean, it's, it's a fine plot. Like, there's in intrigue and, and things like that, but that's kind of not what I'm focusing on right now. I'm going on my own fucking rant. And they kind of have this, uh, this conversation sitting on a... A Cray YMP. Cray like you Cray. No, it's Cray like the supercomputers. Uh, C-R-A-Y, and it's a Y-MP. And Cray supercomputers were um, of a very unique form factor, kind of like a horseshoe, like tower with like seating on them. Okay, so this one is uh, black and red in kind of like a, a data center type room, you know, with the, the glass and stuff. No one walks in there. And these bad boys were about five mil when they rolled out. And they were pretty awesome. You could have, I don't know, like two gigs of RAM or something like that, which your, your, your phone probably does now. And it'd do probably twice as much processing as your iPhone 8 or iPhone XS or something like that. But um, they had some really cool options. They had, um, it was like 110 and, or 1000 and, you know, 1000 megabyte output for like storage arrays and, even solid state storage as an option in roughly 1992. So it's pretty badass that they're there sitting on this like boppy supercomputer, just like padrissimo, you know, like hot shit, like fancy ass, like this is the stuff of today and having this kind of conversation, but it's almost like, um, it's almost like the MacGuffin is the one ring. Right, because it is this absolute power, and we see when the good guys uh, manage to steal the MacGuffin from uh, Doctor Janik, who is subsequently murdered, and they steal the the MacGuffin from Doctor Janik, and they actually turn it on and start to use it themselves. And you know, Bishop and uh, Mary McDonald's character Diane. Diane, 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 is that her name, Diane, Liz, 
Liz kind of see how this is going. Uh, you know, the younger, I guess, more exciting guys like uh, River Phoenix, uh, Davis Ray Theron's character, Whistler, uh, River Phoenix's character, Carl. What a name. What a name. Carl. And uh, Mother, who is uh, Dan Aykroyd's character's name, which is hilarious. He has a real name, but nobody cares. Um, they're like on the, on the straight borderline edge of popping off. They log into a bank, they log into air traffic control and they're like, Hey, what you, you want to fucking crash a plane? Like not that they were going to do it, but they were so close and that kind of power. I think that the illustration there is that that kind of power corrupts. Absolutely. And I think they did a good job of illustrating that assuming that people understand what's what's going on because you can just assume all oh, those hackers you know don't you know those hackers they're going to crash all the planes don't you know right that could feed into this hysteria that people have about the things that they don't necessarily quite understand so yeah but it was a good scene and it's a one ring basically and this is almost kind of like a, a, a Fellowship of the Ring or, or Lord of the Rings more than anything. It, 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 it's primarily a paranoia, you know, thriller, spy thriller kind of thing in the middle because Robert Redford's almost shot and, you know, things, and then he's kidnapped, and then he's let go. It's, it's fucking, it's, it's, it's a thing, you know, from the, the vulgar display of power that uh, the good guys had. I imagine what the bad guys would do. You know, they, the bad guys are proud to be loud. so. You know, that just brought me to uh, an interesting question. Was was The Lord of the Rings a heist book? Was that the original heist book where everybody has, like, their, their role and their job and what they're good at? Like, oh, the hobbits are sneaky and small, and they're made of sterner stuff. And, you know, Boromir and Aragorn are big and tall, and Legolas is light and fast, and Gimli is short and my axe. You know, like, Lord of the Rings is a heist book. Is it the first heist book? Maybe. I don't know. Are there any other fellowship type books? Are there any strand type books? That's a good joke. That's a, a timely joke, but it's a good one. I like. But in that kind of uh, in that kind of metaphor, like Cosmo is Saruman, and Bishop, I guess, would be Gandalf, and these are kind of like the 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 two sides of the same coin, you know, in that movie as well, where. You know, these wizards crave knowledge or whatever, but they're not, these are not fully formed angels fallen to earth and corrupted. They are, they are but mortal men, victims of, of circumstance. So, yeah, I mean, kind of uh, outside of that movie wise, hmm. You know, like, you know, movie wise, there's some, some good jokes on some maybe otherwise dumb or, trite perhaps um plot points like they're they're doing uh there's a dumb thing where there's a company called like c-tech or whatever and it's an anagram that means too many secrets but they're trying to figure out with a scrabble board which is very on the nose but <laughs> they do uh a, a, a cooties cooties rat semen and then and then liz and bishop look at each other and they're like no not that one so it was very funny uh it was a funny joke it was a good joke 
they uh there's there's some humor here and there uh specifically uh one funny really like um again i'm i'm 12 years old actually so there's a really funny one when uh bishop gets caught in in donald Logue's office uh upon or in in the in situ right in situ of stealing uh the macguffin mise en scene uh stealing the macguffin and i i i didn't remember that it was in the movie and i actually laughed out loud uh watching it again this time it was very funny i thought uh but also very juvenile you know 400 degrees as a matter of fact so other than that the camera doesn't do anything wild in this movie you know it'll move it'll follow people a little bit that do a, a dance montage akin to breakfast club at one point they uh there's one first person scene where you're kind of you know the shit's going down and you're in the first person of well, i forgot who but you're looking at mother and mother's like setting some shit up and you're like in his fucking face and the camera turns to the left to look at like carl or somebody else and turns back to mother, and it's just like you were the person sitting in that point, looking, turning your head, and and trying to get input from, from these people who are are the experts, and you're a little bit lost yourself. You know, it's moving around because it's handheld, and it does portray a lot of the uh, suspense, I guess, or or maybe the anxiety, right? But there is there are plenty of points in the movie that are quite suspenseful. Um. And I'm I'm maybe underselling that, maybe overselling it. I'm not sure, uh, but I enjoy the paranoia thriller part of it. It's just very normal. You've you've seen this kind of movie before in those parts. It's just it's done well, but it's not anything new. Uh, it's not terribly unique to this movie, so that's why I'm not kind of all over it. Um, but yeah, other than. Uh, you know, red team Paul McCartney versus cyber John Lennon and the whole kind of thought experiment of how our, our society or our world works and, and just based on computers themselves, not even on weapons, you know, it's a fun way to introduce the public to a real job that real people do. And it's a very cool job. And I love reading about it on, on Twitter. InfoSec people are my favorite people to follow on Twitter, uh, for a fact, because they are maybe the more outgoing, but definitely the more novel in thinking and perhaps the uh, funniest, possibly. It's possible. So, yeah, uh, Sneakers, you know, it's a, it's a fun movie. If you haven't seen it, I mean, well, shit, I just spoiled it for you. Well, I guess. I mean, I don't know. You, everybody knew what was going to happen. But, um, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot of themes in there. You know, there's not a whole lot. There's a little bit of government is bad, but it turns out that the bad government is actually just the bad guy. You know, Billy Eilish is there like, well, give me that MacGuffin. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. And, and I think that the, the denouement of the movie is, it's pretty good. Um. I think it's pretty all right. I like the movie. I've enjoyed the movie for many years. Uh, I think that is probably the more realistic of the movies that I've seen in terms of, of infosec and, and essentially breaching physical security and things like that. Um, it, uh, 
definitely makes it nicer to watch. A lot of times things like this are very, 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 very boring. And, you know, the movie does a good job of making it movie worthy, especially for 1992. Um, you know, perhaps for us now in this day and age, it might seem a little trite and we'd rather Bluetooth uh, root your cell phone and jailbreak it and blah, 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 and crash your car with it on uh, the highway or something like that. But that's more, uh, I think we're, we're in already in an enemy of the state level of technology versus before that. Like before we had, I don't, I don't actually know. I would love to know what kind of triggered that, I guess, because we've had spy satellites for a long time. I guess us knowing about the spy satellites is maybe the difference or, uh, you know, probably the internet. The internet is probably what broke open enemy of the state because, you know, through the internet, you can, you can do so much and monitor so much as we, uh, are now learning or have learned. So this was an innocent movie in comparison. And this was like, well, what if your fucking, you know, encryption never worked and people would see what websites you go to, you know, that'd be a bad scene, but they uh, wouldn't necessarily kill you for it mm. or would they? So, yeah, this has been sneakers. I've been uh, Mark G. You can find me at cool mark d cool with a c and mark with a k on twitter i'd love to talk about things i'd love to talk about sneakers uh i like movies uh i think i'm not gonna only do older movies i do have some newer movies coming up and there's a movie in particular that i want to say that i am not a bandwagon fan of i just i haven't seen it yet and it was very important for me to have seen it prior to this past Sunday, but I didn't get a chance to because I let my friend borrow it and he kept it all weekend. And in fact, didn't even give it to me today. He's going to give it to me tomorrow and I'll try to watch that. And depending on how that goes, that might be the next episode. Uh, but I want to tell you, I'm not a bandwagon fan. I bought the movie, uh, two weeks ago or a week and a half ago. So that's how long it's just taken to get to a place where I can watch it. If not, I have, you know, a bunch of other movies uh, set up. I literally had to move a stack of movies to, to place this microphone. I'm doing a thing with two microphones right now. I want to see if that's even worth the trouble or what the case is. I'm just curious. I'm just, sometimes I do dumb shit, you know? Um, I also don't have my full array of, of room treatment, so I'm medium worried that there will be some slapback in this recording, but mm, sorry, whoops, but I needed access to, to my computer, easy access because I've been, uh, essentially getting my, my disc and, and putting them on a Plex server so that I can watch them around the house, but not be uh, tethered to a physical device that has a disc drive since most of my devices don't. So in order to get easy access to my computer, I just pulled the sound blanket down and had the closet open and it's still open right now so apologies for any sound quality issues um in testing i didn't foresee any but i'm also stupid so there may be some other than that i am happy to be back happy to be back thank you everybody who listened to last episode uh thank you to the people who provided feedback that that actually means a lot it, it made me very very happy to know that, uh, you know, people are listening and, and they do enjoy it. 
And I, like I said, I'm just going to try to improve. Uh, also, haven't really touched the software in about two weeks. It just, you know, I had a very productive couple days uh, as it goes, and then the other days have been very, very busy. And I can't really work on it anywhere that is not home because that is where my database is because I do dumb things like that. Uh, but live and learn. Yeah, it's a living. See you next time. Red leather, yellow leather. Red leather, yellow leather. Unique New York. You know New York. You love New York. You need New York. You know you need unique New York. I precisely placed my hand in a pulsing particle beam because it was cold. So, testing out uh, voice memos, voice memos while driving to see if this is a thing. I don't know that it is. It may not be a thing. Uh, I actually don't know if I'm using the car's speaker or the actual phone. So this will this will matter shortly. Um, I'll find out in a second. You know what I'm saying? We're stationary right now. Air conditioner on, uh, on one, on its lowest setting. And we're, here we go. Here we go! What the? Jesus Christ, almost died. Hey, everybody. Uh, Mark here. Driving home. Quick update. I wanted to say thank you if I didn't in the episode, which I may not have, I really can't remember right now. I've had a pretty wild couple of days since recording uh, since recording that last podcast. I wanted to say thank you to everybody who reached out and, and, and who said, hey, you know, we're happy that, that your podcast is coming back, happy that you're working on stuff and, and I want to say thank you so much. It's not it's not the why I do things, but uh, it feels so good to know that I that that you like it and and that you want to hear more, you know. So thank you again.